We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27, picking up where we left off last week, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell something? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Verse 22. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest, watch this, and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts that we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require that special care, so God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you, say all of you, together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. I want to preach to you for a few moments this morning. The last message I'll be sharing from the I Serve series that I've simply titled today, Discovering your place, discovering your place. If you will, pray with me and for me uh, this morning. Father, we just love you this morning. We praise you. We glorify you and honor you. We thank you for the privilege and opportunity to be in your house today. We thank you for the worship that we've been blessed to be a part of. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the offering that we've been blessed to sow into. And God, we just ask, Lord, right now that you would just anoint this time of your word, that you would just pour out your spirit and your presence in this place. God, anoint every ear to hear what you would speak to us today and anoint every heart to receive your word. And God, I ask you that you would move me out of the way. Lord, let your spirit be increased in me, that your word would come forth today in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for the servants that you're going to raise up, those that are going to renew their act of service to you in this uh, in this time today, and Lord, those that are going to sign up to serve for the first time, we thank you for them in advance. And Lord, if there's somebody here lost, we thank you that salvation is present, and today can be the day that they receive you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. This year, as we strive to put the kingdom first, which we've been talking about in everything that we do, we're making some proclamations. The first proclamation that we've made was, I worship. And I'm, I'm going to continue to remind us of this uh, throughout the year because we were created for that very purpose, to worship our Creator. That's why we were created. And I want 
us to be a church and a people who celebrate worship. Somebody say amen. A freedom point is supposed to be a place where you are free to worship and praise the Lord. Is anybody thankful this morning for that freedom? Yes. And we want to celebrate that freedom and we will celebrate in our acts of worship and we will worship the Lord together. And today we're going to conclude uh, talking about the very important critical act of serving. Uh, and how that you can prayerfully discover, I believe, what it is God has called for all of us to do as we make the proclamation, I serve together. But I want to tell you, until you make these proclamations that I'm preaching, until you make them personal, you will never fully enjoy the benefits uh, of your spiritual life and your walk with Christ. Amen. This week I was doing some research and praying and reading, and I came across uh, an article uh, written by a professor at Trinity College in Florida. That's a non-denominational seminary school, and his name is uh, Paul Fritz. And he writes in an article uh, about his time in Africa serving the Lord, and he says, One afternoon, one of my seminary students took me to the Joss Museum in Nigeria. He said, Sir, I want to show you something that my father made. Naive as I was in those early years of being in Africa, I thought he would show me a clay pot, a drum, or a sculpture his father had constructed. But when we arrived at the museum, he directed me to a special glass case where he pointed to a juju mask. And he proudly announced, my father made that mask, which allowed him to assume the roles of the spirit of traveling. Now, if you don't know much about Africa, anybody that's been there can tell you there's a lot of spirits floating around in Africa besides the Lord's Spirit. So he said, my father made that mask which allowed him, he believed, to assume the roles of the spirit of traveling. And when he told me this, I thought, oh, he's probably referring to traveling in a taxi or a bus. But the student went on to explain, after my father donned this mask, he would immediately assume a new identity. He was instantly transformed into somebody else. He acquired new powers above and beyond those of a mere mortal man. At a moment's notice, he could fly great distances between villages, appearing at special sacrificial ceremonies. And people feared my father, and they gave him great respect whenever he wore this mask. But they ignored him at most other times. However... The student said, when I became a Christian, I knew that even though it would have been my right as the firstborn son to have taken that mask and assumed those other spirits and powers, I knew that that would not be right for me as a Christian. But then I also realized that something else was missing. What can I get so as to gain the respect, the power, and the freedom that my father experienced with his mask. And then Paul Fritz writes, The student was looking for something that he could use to transform himself. And he said, After I thought about that incident, it struck me that everybody looks for masks that can miraculously change their identities. Some are looking for masks to be able to hide their inner sense of inadequacies. Others are looking for masks that can make them into the cultural 
image of something great because culture is trying to redefine greatness today. Is anybody with me? And still others are looking for identities that will make themselves acceptable in the eyes of their culture. The church of the living God, I'm afraid, has put on a mask and lost our power trying to be culturally relevant. Somebody help me preach this morning. But he says, and some of us may even bring those very same expectations to this whole topic of spiritual gifts, thinking that our spiritual gifts and passions might change our identities. They might hide our weaknesses or gain us greater acceptance from others. But that is, until we get to the topic that we're discussing today, which is discovering your place in the body of Christ. Can I tell you that God has given you a unique personality. He has wired you with a unique personal style, which he doesn't necessarily want to change. But he wants to use your unique identity and your unique personal style for his kingdom work. And in order for him to do that, the way to do that involves the first thing we talked about in this series, discovering your passion. Give me just a few moments to lay a foundation and we'll get back to this passage of scripture today. What is passion, Pastor? Passion is the God-given desire of the heart to make a difference somewhere. If you have passion to make a difference in the kingdom, you've got the first ingredient that it takes to do something wonderful for the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, you need to discover your spiritual gifts. If you didn't, as I said earlier, take one of those last week, do that today. Make sure that you understand that spiritual gifts are special abilities that are distributed by the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we get them. But but Paul says they're available to every believer. Every believer has at least one spiritual gift according to God's design and grace. And then you've got to discover your place in the body. Now, in order to discover your place, you need to answer some questions about yourself that simply relate to the way that you are wired. We're going to call that your personal style this morning. We each have our own personal style, and that, along with our passion and our spiritual gifts, answers the question of how God designed us to serve in His kingdom. Now, there are two elements that I'm going to lay a foundation on very quickly about your personal style. The first, let's call it how you are energized. Or, in other words, maybe what makes you tick. And this determines how you receive and you focus your emotional and your natural and your physical energy in the way that you prefer to interact with your environment. Now, people either fall into two categories. People are either task-oriented or they're people-oriented. Some of you said right then, I ain't people-oriented, right? Well, here, let's talk about really quick, task-oriented and people-oriented. Task-oriented people are energized by doing things. They prefer to relate to people by sharing a commitment to working on a task together. Task-oriented people are often uncomfortable with a lot of relational face-to-face -face activities. They measure results by what they accomplish. And those who are people-oriented, they're energized by interacting with people. They thrive on relationships, and they measure their results in terms of relationships, and they often prefer to work with people in a team setting. But that's not to say that people-oriented folks are not concerned with task accomplishment or that task-oriented people are not concerned with relationships. It's more a matter of priority 
than approach. A people-oriented person will spend more time visiting and getting to know somebody before they begin a task with them. But yet the task-oriented person prefers to start the task and get to know that person while they're doing the task together. And neither way is right or wrong. It's just a matter of preference, and it's okay if you choose one or the other. If you're task-oriented, though, understand the primary content of your ministry should be accomplishing tasks that serve people. In other words, you can be a task-oriented person and, and you can work in the parking lot ministry and just know this is my task and this is what I'm given to do and it's my job to make people feel welcome as they pull on the property and glad that they're here so that I can, be, I can begin to be the one that starts setting the atmosphere for what God may do in their life that day. But if you're people-oriented, the primary content of your ministry should be relating to other people. Maybe you're a prayer warrior. Maybe you're a teacher. But both value developing relationships, but each has a primary and a secondary means of accomplishing them. So lastly, the second element to your personal style is how you are organized. Some of y'all just said, uh-oh. Some people are unstructured, and they prefer lots of options and lots of flexibility. They tend to enjoy moving between a variety of activities. Now, unstructured people say this. This is not me. But unstructured people say, pack the car and let's go. They make plans after they get there and they look for the hotel after they get there. Oh, that tears me up, makes me a nervous wreck. Um, unstructured people, they live moment to moment. But structured people prefer to make plans. Yeah, oh yeah. And they work within guidelines and they like clear directions or instructions. You know, structured people belong to AAA. Structured people do research. They find all the historical sites and the recreational activities. See, that one don't like structure. They done, they done kicking on that this morning. No. They, they find all the historical sites and the recreational activities. Structured people make reservations. Do I have any structured people here this morning? They have everything planned out before they leave. I want to tell you, if you're not a structured person, you don't want to go on a trip with me. When you tell me, Abby, what you want to do for your senior spring break trip is New York City and you want to see this, 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 and this, get ready. Because daddy's got an itinerary. She can say amen. You're going to wake up at this time, eat at this time, be here at this time, be there at that time, and you're going to get it all done in four days. And you're going to come home feeling dead and fall into bed for a few days after that. But it was structured, and we got her done. If you're an unstructured person, though, you should have a ministry position generally described where you can have lots of spontaneity and flexibility. That's okay. But if you're a structured person, you need to have a ministry position that's clearly defined and you have consistent relationships and responsibilities. If a person is going to make a difference in their life, they need to get a good, solid grip on your passion, your spiritual gifts, but also your personal style. And it's okay that I'm structured and you're not. Somebody say amen. You unstructured people should have shouted right there. But these keys will help you figure out what areas of service that God has to intersect with those things in your life and enable you to find the place where you can enjoy working for the kingdom of God and you can feel gratified and fulfilled because of the effectiveness that you're experiencing when you're walking in what God has given you specifically to do. So in the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, what we read last week, 
Paul tells us that all spiritual gifts are from God and they're given for the common good. That is the good of others. That is the edification of the whole body. That's why the gifts are given. He also says that every believer is given at least one spiritual gift. So if you're a believer, you've got at least one spiritual gift. There are many different spiritual gifts. In fact, 23 are actually mentioned in three different passages of Scripture, the New Testament and one passage in the Old Testament. But then... In our passage of Scripture where we are today, Paul uses the analogy of the human body for the church. So let's talk about it. Every part of the body is critical for the whole. Each plays its function, and without it playing its role, the body cannot perform at its peak. It can't do its best without every part playing its function. And though there are many, many parts, there is only one body. All of these people you see this morning and those that were here at 845, we're here at different times, but we're all part of one body and there is only one common goal that we're all working toward together. But you need to understand within that one body, there is a critical place for you. Whether you are right-handed or left-handed, whether you're blonde or brunette, whether you're male or female, and you got to be one of the two. And you don't get to choose. Whether you're short, tall, whether you're married or single, you have a spiritual gift, and there is a critical place for you in the body of Christ and here locally at Freedom Point Church. Somebody say amen. God has arranged a place for you in the body of Christ, in the family of God. Even those of you that are watching online this morning. And He's arranged a place that's unique to you. It's a place that corresponds to your passion, to your spiritual gifts, and to your personal style. But it also corresponds, whether you realize it or not, to the needs of this church and this community. And God knows just how and where you fit in because He has wisely and lovingly designed you according to His grace. And He's arranged you to fulfill His design in a way that's pleasing to Him, in a way that fulfills you and benefits everybody else in this local body. I want to tell you something this morning. Please understand, we cannot be the church that God is calling us to be and do the work in the kingdom that God is calling us to do without you. Now listen, therefore, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Paul said, now you, all of you, are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of that body. That means we are mutually dependent upon each other to accomplish the purposes of God in our midst and to honor and glorify God in our life together. We are mutually interdependent on each other to accomplish what God's given us to do. What has He given us to do, Pastor? We need to be mutually interdependent on each other so we can see folks saved like we did on Wednesday night that just come to the altar crying and asking God for forgiveness. We need to be dependent on each other so we can see folks filled with the Spirit like Daniel Honeycutt was filled with the Holy Ghost on Wednesday night. we got to be dependent on each other for God's purposes to come forth and be fulfilled. Now, how many sports fans have I got out there? All right. How many of you know who Dizzy Dean was? Anybody know who Dizzy Dean was? Let me see your hands. Only just a few of you. 
Dizzy Dean was one of the greatest and most colorful uh, baseball pitchers of all time. He once, uh, he once won 30 games in a single season. He and his brother, and I did think this was funny, Dizzy, his brother was nicknamed Daffy. Go figure. He and his brother, Daffy, each pitched two victories for the St. Louis Cardinals in the 1934 World Series, which St. Louis won four games to three. But one day, earlier that season, Dizzy, who was the best, at the time he was the best, one day earlier that season, Dizzy Dean swaggered into the opposing team's locker room and he told every single hitter exactly how he was going to pitch to him. And after that, he went out and he pitched an entire shutout, winning 13 to 0. But one day in 1937, Dizzy injured his big toe. A minor injury, nothing important, he thought. After all, it's just my big toe, you know. But it was important. Unknowingly, he began favoring that toe which in turn affected his pitching motion, which affected his arm. And by the time that he started to consider that toe to be important and took his injury seriously enough to seek medical help to treat it, he then realized through medical examinations that his pitching arm was so severely affected that his career was over. He was inoperable. Because you see, the pitching arm cannot say to the big toe, you're not important, I don't need you. And so it is with the body of Christ. Every single person here. Do I have anybody that loves toes? One man admitted he had a foot fetish. Praise the Lord, I saw the hand go up in the back. Anybody else love toes? I, if you don't love toes, I have a dog that loves toes. You come to my house open-toed, he'll lick your toes off. That's, that's just what he does. Not many people love toes, though, do they? And I know that's funny. But even if you feel like you're the toe in the body of Christ, we can't pitch a shutout without you. We need you. We need you. Not only is it important, it's absolutely critical. Every person here, every passion, every gift, Every personal style is not only important, but absolutely critical for the church to be all that God intended for it to be. So no matter what your passion is or isn't, no matter what your spiritual gift is or isn't, no matter what your personal style is or isn't, you are nonetheless important, significant, and that makes you indispensable to the body of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that if you think more highly of yourself than you should, and then you say, oh, I'll just show them I won't do my part. That doesn't mean God won't replace you. God will cause another toe to grow out where you were. Hello. But even if you're a toe, you're indispensable. We can't function properly without you. Whether your passion is working with children. Why'd some of y'all go? Whether your passion is working with children or technology. Whether it's helping the poor or helping lead worship. Whether your gift is teaching or hospitality. Whether it's leadership or mercy. Whether your style is structured or unstructured. Whether you're task oriented or people oriented. Every believer here is crucial to the smooth and effective functioning of this church. This local body of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe that, say amen.
You are important. Anybody seen the movie The Help? Yeah. Everybody say it with me. You is important. You is kind. See, I can't say that about some of y'all, so we'll skip over that one. No, I'm just kidding. You is kind. You is smart. Can't say that one either. But you is important, right? No, you're all kind, smart, and important. You are important in all seriousness. In all seriousness, you are important. And the place that God has arranged for you in His church is an important place. And every single one of us needs what all the others have to offer. Let me, let me put it this way. Susan, you need what Samantha Sanders has to offer. And Samantha, God intends for you to benefit from the gifts that he's given Rebecca Webster. And Rebecca, your life would be poorer without the things that Angie Disney adds to this family. And Angie, God has placed, believe it or not, Renata in this family for your benefit. And Renata, you're much better off because Cheryl is a part of this church. And Cheryl, your, uh, Cheryl, Andrea's passion and her gifts and her style are crucial to your well-being. And on and on and on and on. Brennan, you benefit from what Nicholas does. Are you with me this morning? We all benefit from each other. Every single one of us are the body of Christ together. And there's a critical place and a role for you here in the ministry of this church. In fact, I believe God's putting us where He's putting us for a purpose. And I believe we're going to see a lot of things we've never seen before. But I also believe that we can't be the church that He's calling us to be without every single one of us in our place. So I shared with you last week, and I'm almost ready to close that I was praying the week prior, and the Lord literally spoke to me in my time of prayer. And you know, I don't say things like this often, but the Lord literally spoke to me in my time of prayer, and I heard Him speak to me the citation of Scripture, Jeremiah 2.32. And I went to Jeremiah 2.32, and here's what it said. Does a young woman forget her jewelry and a bride her wedding garments? Yet my people have forgotten me days Without number. Folks, God has gifted all of us. I'm going to preach to us for a moment, and I, I expect it's probably going to get quiet. But we don't slack on our jobs because we wouldn't get a paycheck or we wouldn't have a job very long. We make it a priority to have our recreation that we want to have, right? We make it a priority to do things that we enjoy doing. We make it a priority to have our children be a part of things that, that, that they're successful in, even secular things, which is totally fine, right? But isn't it time that we start making work for the kingdom a priority and not forgetting God? Some of you say, oh, pastor, I would do this or that, but I, I'm so busy. What happened to giving God his time first? What happened to putting the kingdom first? Anybody going to help me preach this morning? Somebody said, oh, pastor, you just killed the whole service dead. She died right then. Listen, I got to give you the truth. 
and I love you. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't give you the truth. But isn't it time that we stop forgetting God? That's what he said, not me. My people have forgotten me days without number. And isn't it time that we start doing our part to work for the kingdom? Listen, I want to tell you, I said that to say this. We are missing gifts in this body because not everybody is using what God has given you. We need your gifts. Somebody say amen. We need you to do whatever it is that God has called you to do so that we can grow the kingdom together as they come to the music this morning. I want to do this just a little bit differently. I want to share with you Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8, and then we'll have one more video today. But Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8, here's what Paul said. He said, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God's given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. But listen, nobody else, nobody else can do your serving for you. God doesn't want you to watch Him use somebody else for His glory. God wants to use you. Even if you haven't accepted Him as your Savior yet this morning, can I tell you that He's waiting on you to accept Him? That's all you have to do is repent and accept Him. What's it mean to repent, Pastor? When you ask forgiveness for your sins, turn from your sin and don't go back to it. Repent and accept Him. That's all you have to do. And He wants to set you free. Why? He wants you to use your freedom to love Him and love other people. Free to love. To serve Him and serve others. Free to serve. And to worship Him in freedom. That's what God wants to do. Galatians 5 and 13 says this. For you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use that freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Do you know that your service in the kingdom of God is just one of the ways that you can show your gratitude to God for the freedom that He's given us. Did you hear me? Your service in the kingdom of God is just one of the ways that you can show your gratitude to God for the freedom that He's given you. That's what Paul said. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And you say, I don't know what I can do. I want them to dim the lights and I want you to direct your attention to the screen for one more video this morning. And see if any one of these different roles that you see represented has ever touched you in the body of Christ.
was a stranger. And you invited me in. I was sick. And you looked after me. I needed a teacher. And you inspired me. I was lost. And you prayed for me. I was addicted. And you helped me break free. I needed a mentor. And you were there for me. I felt alone. And you showed me true community. You helped me experience the joy of worship. You made me feel welcome and safe. You gave me the strength to keep going. You led me to Jesus. to stand to your feet all over this room this morning. We're going to open this altar, and I want to ask you in just a moment if you wouldn't mind to slip on a mask and come in this altar and find a place to pray or at your seat. There's a mask on both sides of the altar if you want to come in the altar this morning. And I'm going to just simply ask you a question. Will you make yourself available to God to be used for His service? Will you ask God to help you use your gifts that you've identified, your passion, and discover your place and make the proclamation together that I'll serve. God, I'll do what it is that you're wanting me to do for the kingdom. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're lost. I want to tell you, you're in the right place. Somebody say amen. In a moment when we open this altar, the very best decision you'll ever make is to step out of your seat and walk down here and accept Christ as your personal Savior, as Dalton did on Wednesday night. I said that's the best decision you'll ever make. Don't leave here without Him. But as they sing this morning, we're going to open this altar, and I want you to find a place here or at your seat to pray and surrender to God and say, God, I'm willing. I'll serve.